0: you're listening to real talk slp with your host elise clark the Deviling speechy this is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the slp world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door Hey, 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 Rockstar SLPs, this is Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, and we are going to be talking this week about creating behavior routines in your speech therapy sessions. I would say most of my learning with behavior management came from my clinical, you know, internships, and thankfully I had a really good master clinician who modeled really clear, consistent behavior management that I was able to then learn and and model in my own therapy. But I don't know about you guys, but (laughs) once I graduated, it was like, all righty, have fun out there. And, and, you know, and it's a little scary and nerve wracking. You kind of, you know what to do, but you also are like thrown completely off guard when that first big behavior happens in your room and you're like, oh my gosh, did I handle this okay? He's now on the floor screaming. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. (laughs) Everything's fine. And I don't know about you you all, but every year I think I have it, you know, I'm like feeling pretty confident about my behavior management skills. And then I get a couple new students that maybe just have a whole different way of how they think school should go. I'm having to re-look at my behavior management and my behavior routines to make it work for my students so that we can have more successful therapy sessions. So as much as I have a lot of tools in my toolbox, I definitely get thrown for a loop every year and I have to recalibrate the way I do something. And, and, and that makes it really individual, right? We have a lot of students that I'd say about 80% of the systems that we have set up work beautifully and you're like this is amazing and then we have that 20% or or you know even 5% where you're just like I've tried everything and he still throws things at me <laughs> Throughout my career, I've done preschool to sixth grade. Most of my time is spent with elementary, but I have done middle school. I even did a year in the high school setting. But my real sweet spot lately within the last five, six years has been K-2. And particularly in the self-contained classrooms, the autistic students, some of my students with more complex communication needs, I've been serving those students. And a lot of times we see unwanted behaviors. And it's trying to figure out where are they coming from? What's causing them? How can we give them the language, the communication or the break or the sensory integration they need to be more engaged with school? Right. And so when I think of behavior management, I think of the song Titanium because we got to be bulletproof. If we get knocked down, they fire away. But we have to stand strong, right? We can't fall down. We got to be titanium. And that has been something that over the years I've built up my confidence with creating a be- behavior routine. But don't get me wrong, I'm always collaborating, talking with the teacher, talking with OTs, talking with behavior specialists. You know, it isn't just this, oh, <laughs> I know what to do now all the time. And so I hope that helps you feel a little bit more confident that, yes, we are all out there in the trenches trying to help our students engage in our therapy sessions. We want them engaged because when they are engaged, that means they are meaningfully participating in our session. And so a couple of the things that I I used to do, like a a prize box and all that kind of stuff. And since I got rid of my prize box, I want to say after five years of being a speech pathologist, I then started focusing on creating engaging lessons. And then recently, within the last four years, I've tried to frame structures and routines that also created positive behavior management skills. So I, I got trained a couple of years ago in champs and it's a proactive and positive approach to classroom management. A lot of times what I started to do was I took the rules of the school. I implemented those in my speech room so that they are consistent for my students and they are predictable, right? We have be safe be responsible, be respectful. And then when I would go into my sessions, if those were the school rules, be safe, be respectful, be responsible, we talked about what that was all the time. And these consistent rules and expectations, I could implement anywhere, anytime, any activity. And it also created less stress for me to always have every perfect visual available. I mean, of course I had visuals for my students, but this allowed me to have a set Of rules that I could implement across all grades. And it helped me to also practice using them because there wasn't a bunch of fancy rules. It was just be safe, be respectful, be responsible. And the other thing that I did that helped keep streamlining my routine without making a ton of extra time for myself was having a format to my lessons. Now I would look at the bulk of my caseload and say, okay. For most of my caseload, I can do a check-in, which is maybe or a warm-up or a question of the day or whatever it is you want to do, a check-in. And maybe it's a review of the you know whole body listening. How do we sit in our chair? Whatever your check-in is. And, and maybe your check-in is for the younger kids, we review whole body listening. For the older kids, we review what respectful looks like and responsible looks like. And then every session we review goals, then we do a teach practice time, and then we do a wrap up. And because you have that generic routine that you're going to use for every student or every group, you're able to tailor that each group where you're keeping the framework the same, but you're changing out what it is you're reviewing. So maybe the check-in for your speech articulation students is Hey, how was practicing this week at home? Did you hear any words that you did really well with? Awesome. Okay, guys. So that was your check-in. Now we're going to the goals. What are our goals? What are we working on? All right. And how do we know, you know, we're making a good R sound? and then the kid explains it. So then we get through goals. Then we're going to go to the teach practice part. And this is where you're going to have that more direct instruction or activity for the child. And that could be anything. And, And then the wrap up is, hey, these are the words you're going to practice. Here's your homework sheet. I'll see you next week. Right? So you're having this generic framework that can then be adaptable for that language student. Hey. So the word of the week today is, you know, (laughs) I can't think of a word, but you get my drift, right? And that's how you create some systems for efficiency with creating routines. The other thing that you can do for creating routines is, like I said, following the classroom behavior management system. As much as we could come up with something else, we don't really want to confuse our students that they're now having to adjust to my, my system in my speech room. And I'm sure that could become a debate because we do need to learn how to, you know, adapt and and be different in different environments. Like a lot of times, as adults, we know in the library we have to be quiet. We can't talk. We have to whisper. But out, you know, at a restaurant, we can be a lot louder and talk at a louder volume. So there is an element where our kids have to adjust behavior rules out in the real world. But with some of our students, it's just easier just to be consistent. I mean, consistency helps them to practice the expectations. So if if their teacher is using a first-then chart, you use a first then chart you know if they're using certain language for rules expected and unexpected behavior you should use that as well and that is why i like the following the school rules be safe be respectful be responsible because then i can continually talk about it during our lessons. So, hey guys, we're going to play a game today. We're going to be working on turn taking. And and as we're playing the game, we're going to be asking each other, thinking of you questions. And so to be safe in the speech room, we really want to keep our hands and feet to ourselves and we don't want to touch other people. And then to be respectful, we want to use a tone of voice that is kind and makes someone feel like they want to be there. And and being responsible is doing our work and, and participating in the activity. And then I can tell them, you know, hey, as we're playing the game, hey, thanks. You know, you're being really responsible right now. Thank you for being nice to the the game pieces and waiting for someone else to talk. And that's, you're being really responsible by using the word, the language and the expectations from the the classroom or the school. You're also reinforcing what they're used to. So you're being consistent. And another thing that I do for creating routines is I also have visual supports for different activities because a lot of times in our speech rooms, We don't realize it, but our students are having to transition sometimes a lot. They're transitioning from the the classroom to the speech room. Well, that has a whole different set of routines and expectations. When they get to the speech room, we are then reading a book and that has a whole different set of (laughs) expectations, right? And then after the book, we're going to maybe do an activity to talk about the book. And so our students may be a little confused. So one thing That I do is I have different routines visually set up so that I can go over them with them before the activity. And then you can fade that out as as you as you're able. But you know, a lot of things that I think my autistic students struggle with the most is that they struggle with hitting all the areas. They maybe know what to say in the lesson, but their body is leaving the chair all the time. And so then I'm having to go, hey, hey, get back here, (laughs) right? And then it feels like the whole session is spent trying to redirect the child to sit in their chair. So if we start from the beginning with really setting the routine of what our body what our brain and our words are supposed to do during the activity, this is going to give them a framework to follow. And then as we're trying to implement this framework, if you see a student struggling, you can go, oh, they're not staying in their seat. Even after I showed them they need to sit In their chair. And by having a visual for all that, you can then touch the visual and visually prompt them to sit in their chair. And so, for example, if we were listening to a book, I would have a visual, how I move my body. And I would have a picture of a kid sitting on their bottom in front of, at the desk listening. I'd have a picture. You have to have your hands in your lap or by your side. And your face needs to be looking at the pictures. That's what your body is supposed to be doing during book time. What am I supposed to be doing during the book? You know, looking at the book, listening to the words in the book with my brain. And then if I have an idea or something to share, I have to raise a quiet hand to talk. And then you can even set up how to use my words. Well, I got to speak up when I get called on. When, when Mrs. Clark is reading the book, we have a zero volume voice. But when I raise a quiet hand and the, Mrs. Clark calls on me, I use a level two voice. That means I get to share my ideas with, with complete sentences with an inside door voice, right? So when we break it down for them, we can also praise them for the things that they're doing well, because I have had kids who have done really, really well with sitting in their chair, having their hands in their lap, but then they're the big the. The blurters the ones that didn't follow the raise your hand waiting to be called on, right? So you can positively say, Hey, thank you for sitting in your chair and keeping your hands in your seat your seat while you're listening to the book. That was such you're being so safe and respectful to everyone. To be respectful we got to raise our hand and wait till I get, I call on you. Right. So that is how I have, when I've had a struggle with how to break down social routines with my students, I kind of go back to that framework or I look at my specific student and I look and I reflect on one of my therapy sessions with them when it went really well. And then when it didn't go so well, and I look to see what in the routine was I maybe not providing a visual support or something that would help them to, you know, maybe I felt like they didn't understand what they were supposed to do. So how could I add a visual support or how could I have simplified that routine? Or maybe it was creating less items to do, or maybe the student is sometimes wanting a break And I need to teach them the routine and expectation for how to request that or what to do in those situations. So a lot of times I've gotten better at behavior management from, I don't want to say failing, but putting something out there in therapy. And when the child isn't responding the way I hoped to go back and reflect about, okay, what was missing from that, that setting. And then I also like to look at like, what are typical kids doing in the general education classroom? How is the the classroom teacher setting up routines? What can I learn from them? How can I infuse that into my therapy sessions as well? And of course, behavior or uh, visual supports really, really do. Those are my first line of defense. When I see a student struggling, I know that there is either, there's also some visual supports I could pair. But the other thing I need to do is I need to be consistent with reviewing it. And I know some of us out there are like, but I got to get down to business. <laughs> I need to get moving on these goals. But when we've created and spent that foundational time to really get those behavior expectations set up. We will then have better long term gains with our students being able to participate in activities. And I'll give you one more example and then I'll let y'all go. <laughs> but when I do my push-in lessons, my whole class instruction lessons for uh, specifically for my K-2 students, I have a wide range of skills in there. I have some kids who can sit in a chair successfully. The I wouldn't say the entire time, but they can sit in a chair for at least 10 minutes. And then I have kids who are really struggling with being able to do those things. And when I see what it takes to be integrated into the general education classroom, kids have to sit in their chairs. They have to be able to sit on the carpet and and be able to watch the activity or listen to the book. And so- That is one of my focuses when I go into the classroom, especially during my small, like my whole class on the carpet time. So I'll have to do another podcast episode about how to set up your push-in lessons. But when I'm doing my carpet time with students, I went in, and and this is the other thing, one class that I've done this with, I, I had a certain set of behavior routines, goes swimmingly well they pick up on the routines. I don't really need a ton of visuals. I have maybe one core board just in case I need it. But for the most part, the lesson is running beautifully. Right. And then I go into another classroom with other sets of dynamics and it, it's like, okay, this isn't working. And so one of the focuses that I needed to infuse in my lesson was, Hey, when we are at the carpet, I had to make visuals, um, and I bring them in a file folder. I will have to um, share how I do this, like in some. In some I'll put some pictures in the blog post so you can see what it looks like. But I thought through, like, okay, what do my students need? Well, about five of them. Definitely, definitely are using you know a go talk or have core boards, and I want the whole class to have access to the core board, so I have that there so I can communicate any routines or expectations visually for them. And then I made visuals on the front for hey, right now we're going to read book. We have we need to sit in our chair. And we need to have a quiet voice. And so that way during the lesson when I was reading the book, the teacher or, or teacher's aides or myself could simply just touch, sit in your chair, quiet mouth, to visually prompt them of the behavior expectation and routine. And then when we were done with the book and it was time for, you know, our movement break song, I told, I prompted them, then we're going to stand up. And where we can talk. So you want to, and I made it specific to my classroom that needed those extra visuals. So there's not really a perfect way of doing it. It's collaborating with your teachers, collaborating with your staff and figuring out, okay, what do I need to help get this student more engaged and exhibiting less unwanted behavior so that they can participate more meaningfully in the lesson? And when we get that nailed down, you know what happens. We see amazing growth in their communication abilities. So I try to do two things like at once. I try to really set up the behavior routine, but then we have students, you know, they also have a behavior plan for their IEP or they need to take more breaks. So the goal is always that we're going to strive for setting those routines. And then for those friends that need the, the more intensified behavior management techniques we will default to those but the end result is we want to get them more independent and so that's how i look through okay what can i have available to help keep them a little bit more engaged a little bit longer and then if they're just having a rough day or you know they really are they're tired or whatever we know we have plan b that they can go to their calm corner and and sit down or they can move their chair somewhere else. They don't have to participate. And when they're ready, they can come on back um, and be a, a part of the the activity. So I hope this was helpful. I could talk hours and hours about behavior management. So if you guys have some more questions about behavior management. Feel free to reach out to me on social media at the Dabbling Speechy, or you can email me Felice Clark at the com. because your question may just be another podcast episode, or I could write a blog post or have a guest on to address some of these questions that you may have about. Your students and how to ser- serve them well. So, I hope this was helpful. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love, love, love if you could write a review on iTunes and tell me what you are loving about the show so that I can continue to make content that is relatable to what you are needing to serve your students well. So, as always, Be the SLP that every kid wants to see and stay inspired. Rockstar SLPs. I'll see you next week. Bye.